Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Mostly Ghostly. Myself, Matt Jewell, and the great Ray Booten along with me. How you doing, Ray? Pretty good, pretty good. How about you? Doing pretty good, doing pretty good. I was wondering, you hungry over there? You fit? Uh, but you were breaking up a little bit. Uh, you hungry over there? Uh, nope. No, Not today I had my fill. I was going to say, what better way to lose an appetite? You know, you can talk about like a weight loss program. You know what I mean? You can talk to you can listen to this uh, episode of Mostly Ghostly, where we talk about cannibalism, and blood consumption. Ooh, uh, I've never, part- I've never partook. I was going to say cannibalism is sweet meat. Sweet meat. Um, I'm down. <laughs> Definitely down for some of that. You know what I mean? Let's make it happen. No, no, nobody send me. I can picture, uh, you know, FedEx boxes of chopped up meat coming to my house or something from a loyal, mostly ghostly fan. Um, cannibalism, of course, we know it is, uh, you know, horror movies and such like that. And in the, in the news headlines with Jeffrey Dahmer's and such. And it's a, um, it's some some culture, you know. It's a horrifying thing. Some cultures think it's a spiritual thing. You know what I mean? Um, way to, uh, you know, set one free, or just to, you know, fill the belly. Whatever you need to do. You know what I mean? But never tried it, Ray. I know there are some cult. No, I haven't tried it. I've heard about. Some cultures that used to be where um, they believe that if you consumed uh, the flesh, you consumed the attributes of that person. Okay. Like if if you were in a, one tribe was in war with the other one and they had they captured somebody or killed them, a brave warrior. Well, if you kill them and you ate their flesh and drank their blood, you became brave like them. Interesting. So, so what you eat, you acquire becomes a part of you. It kind of makes sense in a way, you know what I mean? I heard that you could absorb someone's debt. People talking about that when you eat them up. Like, uh, yeah, yeah the debt, you're talking about debt as in karma? Like, yeah, they're, they're, yeah. Like that troublesome and uh, you gotta get the, you get the bad news stick. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard about that one too. Also, if they, if they died a, uh, horrible traumatic death you feel that trauma uh, that's a good one too well I uh, you know cannibal cannibal holocaust for out there right? but it's never seen who enjoys a good horror film uh, you can go back a little bit in time to I think the, I believe the 70s and uh, one of the first ever found footage films people might say you know the Blair Witch Project another paranormal you know, event um, is is the first found footage film. You know, it's got a big bo- bo- burst now. The booming, it's really booming right now. But right, uh, but yeah, it all started with Cannibal Holocaust back in the day. You know what I mean? Ray, you've seen Cannibal Holocaust, right? Mm, nope. No. All right. Well, we're gonna have to change that. We're gonna have to do a movie night or something. <laughs> you know. So we've got 
cannibalism for anybody out there that doesn't know, uh, of course, it's eating uh, human bodies, you know, whether you like them raw or you like to cook them up with some herbs and spices, however it is, it's both cannibalism. It's the consuming uh, of another human, I guess, or consuming of the same thing you are, because they say the same stuff about animals being cannibalistic as well. More common in the animal kingdom, but we still got some lurking in the humane world. You know what I mean? So, well, I don't, I don't uh, I'd say there might be a little bit more going on in humanity than we know about, because there are some sick people out there, and they just hide it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm currently reading the book American Psycho, and, uh, there's a lot of that up in there. The darkness, good book. Um, but yeah, and then blood consuming, of course, as you would assume, would be just drinking of blood. You know, kind of like some vampire type stuff. You know what I mean? Well, if you're drinking blood, you're supposed to be drinking the uh, receiving the energy or the life force of the person. True. So it's supposedly supposed to help you live on longer along your life because you're picking up extra life energy. Which does kind of, when you're out there creating it on the fly, creating up the way you're going to believe and do things on the fly like that, it's a, that almost makes sense, you know what I mean? I wonder if it ever if drinking anybody else's blood ever killed anybody or something like that. Back in the days, they was the complete opposite of what they wanted type vibe. I would say that that's a possibility because who knows what disease they may have. Yeah. Have uh, what it's contaminated with. Yeah, there's, there's that potential. And as far as extending life, um, I don't know. I still don't see any three, 400-year-old people around here walking around with a flask full of, of blood in their pocket to keep them going. So I don't know if that works too well. True. Yeah. Yeah, I know juice boxes with blood and, you know, doing it big, like in the perfect world for a vampire, you know what I mean? Juice boxes with type A's, type B's, all that stuff. But, you know, beyond cannibalism, it is known that numerous rituals implied the consumption of blood. But in history, there have also been rituals which involve the practice of necrography. In certain tribes, when a relative died, the descendants had to consume its lifeless body entirely, Ray. The whole dang thing. Toenails up to the hairline. Ritual, and then the hair, you, you use the hair to uh, flush your teeth out with. That's how they used to do it. Um, now, the ritual would go on for days, and sometimes the corpse began to putrefy. Despite this aspect, the descendants consumed everything to take into themselves the knowledge and the power of the deceased relative such as that uh, the spiritual energies of the ancestors were not lost. So I'm sure it's a great disrespect for that, for you not to do this, right? you know what I mean? Because you don't want any part of them to get lost. But that's a horrifying thing. But the first thing that pops in my head is, Ray, in a situation like that, where do you start? What what part do you start at? Do you go, you know what, in four days I'm not going to want to be in this. Maybe you want to go for, like, the chest or the belly, go from the the... the uh, you know, maybe the <laughs> the juicy parts first. So then you don't want to deal with four-day juice, man. No way, dude. I don't want to deal with no four-day juice. 
What are you thinking? Well, I think you want to start with the heart. Because a, lot, a lot of societies see that as the center of the person. The, so you, you, want, you want to get their heart center. You want to get their feelings, their motivations, their energy. You want to get all that out of the heart first. And then you can nibble and arrest to finish it off. You got to do the whole thing, though. I'm assuming you got to. I'm, 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 I'm picturing licking bones, sucking on bones like chicken wings and stuff like that. I don't think it's just like, okay, we'll cut this little, this little slither off of the calf, and we'll call that a day on the calf. All right, let's move up to you know, we'll take a rib, maybe we'll all take a bite off the rib. I assume that it's like bones at the end of the day, and then the bones are used probably for jewelry or decor, you know, and I mean, of some fashion. That'd be my guess. I don't think they would leave. I I imagine it's picked clean. In my mind, that's what I'm imagining, at least. But I could be wrong. I I, I agree with you. To make sure that it's sacred and complete, you'd have to pick it clean without the marrow out of the bones. You know what I mean? And Especially if they knew back then the, the marrow and stuff like that was good for you. I mean, what do you think the reality of eating a dead body, the, the reality of that actually being good for you physically? Well, you got marrow is good for you. I know that. I know you eat the brain; it makes you go crazy, doesn't it? Only if it's diseased, or the yeah, diseased brain. That was the old thing with the uh, mad cow disease, the contaminated where uh, the cow, and you would eat part of it. Um, as far as other parts of the body, I don't know. To me, I'm thinking more of like you know. Um, this may sound kind of weird, but uh-huh. I'd say you know. Barbecue. Barbecue. Yep. Someone prep them up there, get the pieces all, everything all set, cook it all up in various ways, whether it be uh, something, a kebab, a stew, a steak, whatever. Find a way to prepare all the different parts, and then the family has a feast or two. I know a guy named Buddy Butterfuco that at one time said that's how he wants to be laid out when he dies. He wants to be prepared like a food. And then have his closest people eat them up and consume them. Now, that's very illegal, I believe. You can't do that. But one, once upon a time, you could. In certain places, you can go do this. If you knew somebody, I know you know Buddy Butterfuco. I don't know if you're as close enough to him to eat them like that, though. I don't know if I am either. Um, if, but if somebody wanted to go out that way, would you, would you, would you uh, consider... Something like that of eating somebody? Uh, no. Is that desecration, you think? Or? Uh, it's just not something I would do. Yeah. Open for choice, though? Each his own type situation? I would say yes, if you're willing to deal with the legal ramifications and make sure that they're dying, they want it done. But it's not something that I would do. Yeah, I remember in, like... Britain or some place, there was a dude that recently, like in the last like five or six years, maybe a little more, uh, had somebody who didn't want to be around anymore, like sign a contract that it was okay, and then they like uh, he ate him like some like some wild shit, and like try the, the stuff was to try and get him out of like you know going to prison. I believe he still went to prison because um, you know the. Uh, a handshake between two gentlemen doesn't really stand up in the court of law. You know what I mean? Yep. That's what I hear. Now, a strange ritual continues to be practiced in certain areas of India. 
on a certain day of the year, the ones who have deceased relatives buried in the cemetery go in the morning to the temple where they inhale a smoke resulted in the burning of a special mixture of plants and substances. You think they're getting high off this smoke, or you think that you think there's something to that, or you think that's just, uh, you know, the, the 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 smoke raising up, so that's where their their soul goes to heaven type deal. Yeah, smoke is is uh, traditionally been associated with with the sacred rising, like it carries your prayers to heaven. Uh, yeah, yeah. I I go more with that. Okay, it's definitely a crazy one. You know, getting up nice early in the morning. You got to do this early in the morning. Inhale the smoke. I don't know. Mixtures of plants and substances. Do you have any idea what those substances could be? No clue. Uh, I haven't heard of that. All right. Now they say there's a there's a state of ecstasy that is achieved. So it is kind of getting high. They're getting high off something. Um, the priest leads those who have come to the temple to the cemetery. There, the people will unearth their deceased relatives with their hands. No gloves allowed. You know, no glove, no love. And they will bite and chew pieces of the corpses. Let me say that again, dude. They will bite and chew the pieces of the corpses. You know what I mean? That's bogus, huh? Well, I guess we can't speak on it. That's a whole different culture, right? That's how it goes. Now, the explanation of this ritual consists in the idea that each bite will get the soul of the deceased closer to eternal peace faster. That's uh, the master of disaster. So, man, we were talking about being worried about eating it four days later. You know what I mean? Like that being an issue. These people are digging it up yearly, I think this was, and uh, playing the game. Playing the game, Ray. What do you think of that? I don't know. I'm trying to figure out how it, it helps them to uh, <clears throat> leave the earth or ascend faster, somehow breaking the bond with the earth when the relatives do that. They're ass- somehow assisting them to move. They must, be, they must think that they got some serious sins on their back or something where they got to help them uh, to that point. My goodness. I don't know. Oh, dang. But it's a whole other culture, right? For all it could be anything, you know. I'm gonna have to look into that one more. It's kind of like you, you know, you wonder why if they were to say the Wuhan whole deal came from eating a bat, if they were gonna take that stance, then you wonder why like plagues don't break out all the time from like people eating dead relatives. Like that all that can't be good for you. That can't be, you know what I mean. <clears throat> something tell you eat bad meat, you go into the grave with them right next to them. Something tells me you pull human meat out of the freezer, not even in the freezer. It's been chilling in fucking the microwave. You know what I mean? That's no good. That's no good. After a year, however many, you know, whatever the deal is, and you eat, you feast, manja, manja, and you're not going to get sick. My goodness. I don't know. I think it might might have to do with this, the type of soil they're buried in, how they were prepared for burial. Ooh, uh, a lot of different things like that, because I know you you salt and dry meat. So as long as once it dries out, then it's safe. That's how you preserve meat. Oh, beef. Possibly, 
part of the ritual and burying them might lend to their being preserved. And but if by waiting a whole year, anything harmful could have died off. So you can go in there and chop down. Possibly. We're talking beef jerky style. Yeah. It's a little more appetizing now. I'm not gonna lie. I do prefer a little more smoked beef jerky style human over raw juicy. You know what I mean? I don't appreciate juicy. No, thank you. I like my steaks rare. Very rare. Oh, too much. You're too much. Well, they got to get to eternal peace faster, so they got to dig them up and eat them. Um, different folks, different strokes. Now, it is not only rituals that have the link with the, the hematography, which is our blood drinking, cannibalism and negrogvegi, you know what I mean? <laughs> on the globe, I know I'm horrifying with words. On the globe, there is a multitude of legends which talk uh, super, supernatural beings which feed on human blood and flesh. My goodness, Ray, what do you think of that? What do you take? What's your take on that? Well, that's that's common because they're taking the energy and the souls of the person. Yeah, it's a whole energy and power trip. We got in America, we got vampires and dracules. That's how it well, goes. have attributed that to the to evil. <clears throat> yeah, they come and steal your soul, swallow your soul. Greek and Roman mythology mentioned beings named Iamia. Are you familiar with that one? Nope. Strixes. And Empuse, any of them work for you? Um, possibly the six. I'm not sure. All three of them consume blood to survive. They sound like sexual positions, you know, like things of like the that asphyxiation type stuff, stuff you no longer know. But aside from the fact that the stig, uh, can we pause a minute? Yes. Paused. Let me see. So that's horrifying stuff with the blood and the flesh getting eaten up. You know what I mean? Now, the Greek and Roman mythology mentioned beings named Lamia, which I think we already talked about up in here. You know what I mean? Um, but aside from that fact, the Strix and the Lamia preferred the flesh, uh, fr fresh blood, I should say, fresh blood of children and newborns. Uh, we talked a little bit about something like that from the Japanese culture, I think in season two or three of Mostly Ghostly. Um, the Strix, you know, hides under a house, under their house, if I remember correctly, too. I wish I remembered the episode. The Strix could also feed on the blood of young men in addition while some of the most uh, tender blood, they say. In addition, Greeks also mention in their legends some feminine entities. Yeah, that's the one I think the Japanese one was. Came during the individual sleep to suck his blood. Do you remember what the one, the Japanese culture one was, Ray? The, uh, was no, that? I don't remember. The Asawana or something like that, the Asawa. Something like that. I, I think that I think that one was that one uh, South Africa. 
It could have been. Maybe it was that. I think there could, I think we did two in one episode, perhaps. I don't know. No, I don't know. No, no, I think you're right, actually. Um, but yeah, the blood ritual has been going back since the beginning of time, you know, very, you know, blood and religious rituals, uh, non-religious, you know, all types of stuff. But there's also religions which forbid any form of blood consumption. Islamic law talks about the term najiz, which defines that which uh, is impure in the context of religious ritual. Najasat being the ritual impurity, which can be removed from by cleansing through fasting and prayer. Najasat, that's, I like that word. The Quran, the Quran mentions in its turn impurity, prohibiting in any form the consumption of blood. To consume blood or food prepared with it is haram, a sinful act. And the Judaic tradition, blood is washed completely away with the great care for meat before cooking it. The argument which upholds this custom is encountered in the Leviticus where it is mentioned that it is not allowed to consume blood because the life of the animal is in the blood. Um, I get down with that for sure. The blood, you know, I you assume blood is where the j- disease would be, and it would be the quickest thing to kind of go. Once you start going cold, the quickest thing to go bad in the fridge, if, so to speak, would be the blood. It'd be like the milk. You know what I mean? What do you think? Uh- I kind of I I agree with that that uh, I don't think the blood's going to last too well. Yeah, it's not going to last long at all. As far as they're carrying something, I know that if you're going to donate blood, they want a full medical history. If you have allergies or certain other things, they won't even take uh, certain things. They won't even take your blood because you can pass it on to somebody. Yeah, yeah, a lot of stuff transfers through the blood. With regards to the Christian religion and its context, the type of ritual uh, hemography appears. The Eurochrist implies the idea that the wine used actually becomes the blood of Christ, which is then consumed by believers. The consumption of human blood is rejected as taboo activity and related to cannibalism. I assume there's Christian purists or something out there that might think that drinking real blood could be the thing. You know, uh, horrifying, a nice horror story of like... um, you know, they if they if if you find somebody and then you almost like you almost like uh, what do you call it like uh, t- take within the spirit to that person and then drink their blood. It's a horror movie waiting to happen. You were gonna say something right before I went crazy. <laughs> yeah. Nope, nope. I, I was kind of just enjoying enjoying your crazy. No, that yeah, you could put a good spin on that and make a good movie out of it. Yeah, we know some people that do that stuff. The movies or the blood? Uh, I, I, I plead the fifth. No comment, no comment. Now, in the fifth book of the New Testament, it is stated that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols uh, and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Okay. Sacrificed, what has been sacrificed to idols, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immortality, immorality, immorality, 
um, if you keep keep yourself from these. So pretty much you'll be all right if you, if you stay away from all those things. They're bad news for you. Yep, and they included blood in there. So, yeah. Interesting. That you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols. So I don't... I can un- I can understand that because you, you've got the idols of the the other religion, the lesser gods, or the de- what they may consider as demons and the idols. So, whatever you're giving to them, you don't want to take. What that sacrificing the idols is that like uh, like those things are for somebody else, not you, type thing. Is that what that's kind of saying? Like it's for the idols, it's not for you, American Idol. <laughs> Uh, when you're sacrificing for the idols, that, that's uh, you don't want any part of that because that's blasphemy. They're not gods, so you're sacrificing to a, f- a false god, an idol. I mean, this really does sound like celebrity when you think about it, though, don't it? You abstain from what has to be subscribed to idols. So it's like all these bad things, all these bad things that uh, celeb- you know people might want that celebrities have. You're not supposed to. The messages are all there. You will do well. Now, as for the ritual uh, blood consuming from the context of the Eurochrist, um, which I'm kind of saying that right, I know. This is justified as being a spiritual nourishment. Christian mythology also includes references to the chalice used by Christ at the Last Supper. I wouldn't mind owning that as a collector. Known under the name of the Holy Grail. And this receptacle of the blood of Christ had been collected during the crucifixion. And the legends say that all those who drink from this chalice become immortal. Um, you know, to go back to the whole deal with, you know, doing the the, the little cheese it wafer and the, and, the, and the wine or the grape juice, whatever they hook you up with at the church of the communion. Going far, but, you, you know, what's your take on that? What's your opinion? It's just kind of, it's symbolism and stuff like that, of course, but it's going to a good thing, so it's okay? That's the the gimmick, if you will? Uh, well, I, I see it as the, uh, as the, 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 symbol of, the symbolism, doing it in memory of, to honor, etc. I see it that way. Um, you know, uh, at the Last Supper, where all that comes from, it is, you know, do this in memory of me. And he was breaking bread and drinking wine. Um, it was to the point of, you know, um, this is this is my flesh and this is my blood. And then you had a church and institutions make it into big ceremonies and add on a lot of this and that and stuff. And I think that basically, and if you look at the early church at that time, um, when you didn't have a Vatican and a big power structure and stuff like that, there were family gatherings where they'd break bread and have wine and someone would talk about uh, Jesus's life. Yeah. We just, we got away from that and made it uh, just hyper ceremonial. Um, Jim Jones's last communion when they were doing that. I remember as a kid, one of my, my, I used to love that part in church. The juice was really good. Um, the wafer, not so much. You know what I mean? But the juice was always, you know, a strong point. You know what I mean? I get down with it. Now, professional Basil Johnson, good friend of the show, offered a presentation of a Wendigo describing it as follows. 
the Wendigo, this is talking about cannibalism that transforms, the Wendigo was gone to the point of emaciation. Its disassociated skin pulled tightly over its bones with its bones pushing out against its skin, its complexion the ash gray of death, and its eyes pushed back deep into their sockets. The Wendigo looked like a gaunt skeleton recently uh, disenfeared with the grave from the grave. What lips it had were tattered and bloody, unclean and suffering from separation of the flesh. The Wendigo gave off a strange and airy odor of decay and decomposition of death and corruption. Um, what does corruption smell like? I know what death smells like, but what does corruption smell like, Ray? Any idea? I have no idea. I bet it's sour. That'd be my guess. Now, in this way, the Wendigo symbolizes the idea of greed and excess, especially through the fact that it can never be satisfied, regardless of how much it has killed and eaten. That's a problem, huh? But they definitely drink from the blood. They enjoy the blood, you know. The Wendigo is counted among the most terrifying beings and is a cannibal spirit which can induce the state of possession. After the possession, the individual takes the physical form of a monster, him going to satisfy the cannibal tendencies of the entity. It is believed that the ones who practice cannibalism can be possessed much easier by the Wendigo. And the ones who kill a human and consume the heart can be in their turn a Wendigo. So, Ray, I think that you just outed yourself as a Wendigo earlier. you got to be careful now. Got me. (laughs) Some Russian nomads had the habit of drinking the blood of the first enemy fallen in battle. That's the weakest one. You don't want to drink that. That one has all the diseases and sickness in it. And Mongols sometimes fed the horse blood, to, uh, fed on horse blood to survive. At the soup, you put some crackers, some salt oyster crackers up in that thing. Even the locals from the Caribbean were adept of cannibalism, feeding on human organs and flesh, you know, just because. Today, cannibalism is still encountered in the Kawawa population from the New Guinea and in Melanesia. Not even the stories for children are exempt of references in cannibalism. The most well-known example being, of course, the great, the powerful Hansel and Gretel. Um, always been a big fan of the, the Hansel and Gretel story. Um, there's a glorious 1990s version um, that's phenomenal. That, that's all I'll say. Go find it. Um, superb. Even the old Russian myths told about the entity known as Baba Yaga. So I think that's what uh, the episode was right there, Ray, because we talked about, we did a Baba Yaga episode. Yep. I think that might have been early last year, maybe the year before. Time flies when you're uh, dipping out of the vid. She made her appearance in the form of a crone who stole children to feed on their flesh. You know, always a scare. Whenever you got anything that needs to kill kids to survive, you know, it's going to be a scary, horrifying thing. You know what I mean? Since we've talked about blood, blood drinking and all that, we didn't even bring up the most famous of all, of course, the vampire. We'll get into, you know what I mean? The vampire appears in many of cultures in the world as a myth- mythical entity. It is a living dead human who feeds on fresh blood and who is defined as the dead one who, after punishment or a curse, 
leaves his grave at night and visits those who sleep to suck their blood, his only food. Or as the deceased who comes out at night, his grave, at the night to torture the living to drink their blood and to kill them so that they too, in return, will become vampires. Uh, the mythologies of the world talk about more kinds of vampires. We talked about all types of vampires, you know, energy vampires, uh, most recently, I believe, including in Europe, v- various descriptions for different kinds of vampires. In this sense, the French Revenant and the Romanian Strigo are different from the Kruznik and the Kudlak from Ireland, from Istrian beliefs. As living dead in the Stripo, and the revenant leaves their grave and go to torment the living. And in this way, the Strigol differ from the Western vampire. A uh, vampire is a result of transformation induced by the sire. Strigoli rises from the grave as the living dead after a great discontent. This uh, can consist either in an action which has been undertaken against him while he was still alive, such as a great offense, a great sorrow, or the fact that he has been killed by someone. Or it can be about a posthumous discontent, such as the fact that he is uh, at his funerary rituals have not been correctly performed. So there's a reason why you would dig up your family and eat them to make sure that they're not feeling that way on a Sunday evening. Now, on one side, the Stringoli has the mytho-folklorical justification related to the fear of death and to the necessity of fulfilling the funeral in a correct manner. Even more different from Western vampires are the Kruznik and the Kudlak, opposed to entities found in an eternal battle. Out of the two, the Kudak being the entity of a vampiric type. You know what I mean? I'm sure we've uh, dove into the vampires before, but yeah, for <laughs> sure. We got cryptids also drinking blood up in here out of the mysterious beings which feed on the blood. We cannot forget the chubacabra, which consumes animal blood, goat blood especially. The study of this falls into the knowledge of base known as cryptozoology and the science which deals with the animals and the beings whose existence cannot yet be proven with certainty. In this way, the chubacabra represents a cryptid. In the same situation, there are also tokoloshi, Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, Muska, the Mongolian Death Worm. Horrif- that just sounds horrifying. It's more like an alcoholic drink. Yet, Iguadon, Mokil, Membim, Yawi, and others. Very scary. Uh, early accounts of Chupacabra appeared in Mexico, where they have spread to Central America, North America, and Chile. Locals uh, went to ask for help of the authorities. They found their animals killed barbaric manner, ripped apart and emptied of blood. Most of the dead, dead animals were goats that had been bitten through the neck. You know, that's a very famous one for it, and the blood sucked out of them. Some people declare that they've seen the culprit do it, but uh, nothing's ever found of a culprit. Uh, I know that over in our neck of the woods, or my neck of the woods more so, in the Bridgewater Triangle, there's uh, issues with that where there were some cows that would drain the blood and supposedly had the, net, the puncture wounds on their necks. Very wild shit. Now, uh, unlike the other predatory species, the chubacabra drinks in its uh, entirety the blood of its prey. An eyewitness has reported that the being has reptile-like skin, a snout with big panther-like teeth, and a forked tongue. 
Also from the descriptions, this creature can cover great distances like kangaroos through jumps, and there have been situations when the witnesses have said that they had seen the being making jumps over six meters. I'll do the math in my head, that's 20 feet. Despite the lack of scientific evidence for the locals from Central America, the fear of chubacabra has not decreased at all. Cannibal Tendencies In the insect world, there are certain types of species that practice this behavior of sexual cannibalism. Spiders, uh, you know, we know about all these black widows, you know, of course you got the, uh, you know, what's the one that bites the head off of the, the praying mantis there? Latrodactus, I think they might call her in the streets. Special uh, species practice the type of behavior. In fact, they have given us the deadly spider name, the Black Widow. The name behavior also appears in praying mantises, as we know, in an insect which, during at the end of the sexual act, bites off the head of the mate. Uh, Pliny Tine talks, I don't know, about species of cannibalistic birds. These birds, similar to the uh, ostriches, led their lives on an isolated in less-known island. They did not feed on anything from the island. Instead, they only ate one another. Though this cannibal behavior, the birds performed natural selection, which allowed the survival of most resistant and the best adapted. Ostriches, the things that headbutt you, you got to be careful of them headbutting you. <laughs> That's one of those, right? Yeah. I think so. Splatter your head up. Uh, I heard this thing about the... I forget who did it, but it was like an old-timey thing where... Um, to figure out a rat problem in a city, uh, they took like they took they took like a group of rats and they 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 had them all. They put them in a hole and they fought to the death. And the last one sur- that survived, they added another ten rats to that hole. And then you know the the, one, the surviving one, there was another ten rats they added to it or whatever. And then they uh, they let the maybe they let out all the rats from from the bad the, like the handful of ones they did. But long story short is. But the fighting to survive, they they became cannibalistic doing that. So once they released them back into the town, they went and they killed all the other rats. So like instead of getting figuring out a way to get them all out of there, they just got up. You know, they really just sent out like three of their own like uh, terminators. You know, to go do the biz. Now back to this one, similar to the insect named the praying mantis uh, in European mythology, the demonic entity known as the succubus acts as a sexual predator. The demon is both a feminine variant named succubus and the masculine variant named the incubus. Uh, while the incubus mates with women whom he kills by absorbing their vital energy during the sexual act, the succubus mates with men who she kills at the end of the sexual act to consume their flesh as food. Stories about the cannibal tendencies also exist in Japan, where the cannibal crone Yama Ud fed, especially on the flesh of newborns, but also on that that of adults. In exchange, when such a crone saw the small orphan Kinatora, she did not kill him, but raised him with the love and care, him growing up to become Sakata, no Kinoki, the famous hero of Japanese legends. That sounds a little too good to be true over there. In this way, it can be said that the the blood drank in cannibalism and, and negography have been included in the myths of the world since the beginning of the time, as you would assume. I know how long bef- how long's a dead body got to chill there before people go 
I gotta taste this. I gotta see what's going on over here. Let's put another shrimp on the barbie. You know what I mean? But um, it's one of them things they say. It's definitely one of them things for shizzle. Now I know my opinion hasn't really changed much. I don't know. You know, in in a world where you know they legalized marijuana leaves not too long ago, so let's just say in a world where they say it's okay to fucking eat up your neighbor or your loved one if they if they need if they find that necessary. This is a question for everybody listening to. You got to really ask yourself. Look yourself in the mirror in the bathroom and ask yourself. When they say it's okay for you to eat the people, do you eat the people? You go to the MB. I won't say market basket because they probably wouldn't like this, but you go there and you get a nice thigh, a calf, you know, some nice rack of ribs from a human body. You're going to fire that up on the grill. Emerald Legacy and Frankie and Bagamo says it tastes delicious. You should try it. So are you gonna you gonna you gonna join the bandwagon? You're gonna start eating? You're gonna be a cannibal? We're trying to tell you today that might not be the route you wanna take. All right, dare. Dare to resist. You know what I mean? Ray, what do you think? Uh no, I'm not doing the old uh, cannibal thing. It's not for me. There might have been a time when it was safe. To do, be a cannibal, not, nah, these streets are too dirty, people. You can't be doing it. There's fentanyl out there. There's all types of stuff floating out there. You gotta be real careful when you're doing the cannibalism. People ain't living the way they used to. Very unhealthy. A lot of McDonald's, you know, you can't be just going around eating people up. Um, it's very bad for your health nowadays and your mental health too. You start gaining weight, you know, it's a horrible thing. You're, you're, you're absorbing their weight, not just their debts and their, their, their good karma, you know. Well, if you're gonna if you're gonna do it, you're gonna probably want to take a look at the uh, the medical history because if you find out they're on five different types of drugs for different things they had, mm, I don't know. Not one there, I don't know. Oh, look, this one's got Prozac. I'll I'll take a bite of this. Now you got a Prozac problem. Now you're tapped in and you're addicted to Prozac too. You know you're on the streets looking for it. It's not a good thing. Yep. I didn't know this was gonna be such like a. The more you know type episode of Mostly Ghostly today, but that's what we're bringing y'all. We're a family oriented show. We're trying to save lives. You know what I mean? That's what it's all about. But that's another good one, I think. You know, we're happy to be back. What season are we on, Ray? What year? Five. Season five, doing a yep. big style. You know, it's fantastic. Well, we thank everybody for listening as usual. You know what I mean? Good stuff. And uh, we'll catch y'all. On the next episode of Mostly Ghostly.